Well, good morning, Thrive Church. I want to welcome you to our service this morning. I want to welcome all those in the 715 area code who are checking out our services with us online. I say this every week. If you've never been here, you got to come check us out. It is much better in person, and we are looking forward to meeting you. So come check us out here at Thrive Church. My, my name is Sheldon Miles. I don't know if I've said that already. I come to you this morning, if I can, if I can start off this way with just kind of a heavy heart, a heavy heart this morning. Uh, I'm a, a chaplain, a fire chaplain for the Wausau Fire Department, and yesterday I was called out to uh, a family's home, a family of a young man, a, a student who had chosen yesterday morning to take his own life. The third the third student, he just graduated, but the third student in one year uh, from the high school, D.C. Everest. I, I really don't like that. Um, I hate it that the... Uh, the enemy is communicating a message of hopelessness, and that's the only message that some people are really hearing. I, church, we must be the church that the disengaged of the next generation are looking for. Hear me loud and clear. We must be the church. I'm not talking about we must have a church service that the disengaged of the next generation are looking for. I'm saying that we must be the church. You must be the church to this next generation. My heart is broken this morning because I just got word, a friend of mine who was a youth leader who invested her life into this next generation just lost her battle with cancer. That breaks my heart that this next generation has lost a life giver. We must be those life givers to this next generation that knows nothing of this gospel that we preach, that knows nothing of this gospel that has changed our lives. They, they see something, but they don't know what it is. We must be that church. We must be the people who say, I will take her place. I will be that life giver to this next generation we must be that church. And I'm asking you this morning, will you support me in helping to raise up that church that the disengaged of the next generation and the 715 are looking for you? Will you raise your hand and say, I will be that church? Father God, in Jesus' name, you look all around this room and you see people who are sick and tired and sick and tired of the enemy having his way of stealing, killing, and destroying. Yours is not a message of hopelessness. It is a message of hope. And God, we raise our hands and we say, we will take Beth's place. We will stand up and be the church. 
we will be looking out for this next generation, Lord. God, we know that you're coming soon. Father, we know life is so short. Oh, God, we pray that there would be an outbreak. I, I just give God praise for the report that Garrett just gave of this next generation. God, break our hearts for this next generation, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Can we just give God praise for what he's going to do? I'm telling you, when you look through scriptures and you're like, there's nothing going on, there's nothing going on, I'm telling you, there's something going on. There is a battle, and we are called to engage in this battle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into my message this morning. Again, I, I, I have a heavy heart, but uh, I, I hope that this message comes across right this morning. We're doing a sermon series called Summer on the Mount, and we are spending time with Jesus when he gave that infamous Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew chapter five through seven, and there's so many topics. I'm just trying to hit, hit as many topics as I can to ones I feel like God plays on my heart. And some people say, even scholars who are not even believers, they say the information in the Sermon on the Mount, and again, if you're watching here online and you're not a believer, the information here, man, this is really good stuff. This is good life changes. I mean, a lot of people would begin to transform and just begin to change to live by these principles. It would be life changing. We've talked about things such as your attitude. We've talked about how to handle anger, worry, prayer and fasting. We, last week, we talked about lust. I'm telling you, last week, I, I, can I just challenge all men, if you did not listen to last week's message, that you would listen to next week, or last week's message. It's online. So to prepare our, our message for today, I want to talk about that. Just tell you a quick story. There was a, a one summer day, um, this truck driver in, in Broken Bow, Nebraska. He, you know, if you've ever driven through Nebraska, like, oh, my word, it's so tiring. And he just came up on this truck stop. He had been putting in his hours. He just wanted to get a decent breakfast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so he's just sitting there by himself eating his meal. And in comes these these guys who are in this motorcycle gang. And they just, can't, they just can't leave other people alone. They saw this truck driver sitting there by himself and they decided to make a spectacle out of him and just grab his fork and begin to dig into his pancakes and picking up his orange juice and drinking it down and sipping down his coffee and kind of messing with his hair. You know, I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that. And truck driver just sits there and just... Oh, man, he's had a hard day. They, they, he, he just ignores them, and they go away, and he goes up to the counter, and he pays his bill and walks out. <coughs> Waitress, the, the, the motorcyclist said, he, he's not much of a man, is he? <laughs> that truck driver, they're, they're kind of you know, picking on the waitress now. That, that guy, he wasn't much of a man. He calls himself a truck driver. What kind of guy is he? And she, she looked out the window and she goes, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know what, what I, I, I don't know what kind of man he is, but he's not much of a truck driver. Not much of a truck driver, what do you mean by that? Well, he just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. So he can't be much of a, of a truck driver. Kind of felt good, that ending. Can, can we just all confess here that ending felt kind of good? Did, did, was, it, was that? 
Yeah, well, that's, yes, exactly. You should have paid the bill. But man, there's a part of us that like, man, don't you just, you know, Hollywood has made some of its greatest blockbusters off of movies where the good guy gets even with the bad guy. You know, some of you right now, you're movie buffs. You're like, yeah, 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 and that movie, and that movie, and that movie. You're like, yeah, they're, they're feel-good movies. We feel like, finally, justice, justice. And, and, and everyone loves us. And that's really our natural response within each and every one of us. When we're offended, it feels good to get even. How many of you raise your hand? I'm raising my hand right now when, when I've been offended and I can get back. If I can at least make it even, it feels good. In Matthew 5, 38 through 48, Jesus just cannot mind his own business. Because Jesus says, and this is the title of my message. It's different. It's in God's kingdom, it's different. When it comes to things like this, it's different. Being a Christ follower, being a Jesus follower, if you, Jesus followers, could you raise your hand right here? Just raise your hand. All my Jesus followers in the house, even if you're watching online, Jesus followers, raising your hand. Jesus said, for us, it's different. It's different. We are called to live differently. We are called to be different. We are called to respond differently. I just want to know, I want you to know of all of the ones, this is the one I really wanted to bypass in, in the Sermon on the Mount, and I knew I couldn't, because this is the one that bothers me the most. This is the one I struggle with the most. Can I just be honest? I do not like this passage you know, I, I, it was a, uh, Thomas Jefferson. I think Thomas Jefferson, I think that, do you know that he went through parts of the Bible and he cut out the passages that he did not like? <laughs> this, if, if I did that, I would never do that, but that might be one that I would like, oh, just kind of, I don't want to see that one again. Because it goes against everything that I think it goes against everything that I feel. It's not my natural way of responding. Believe me, I grew up in a family of six kids. I was number five. I've told you before, I was the victim in the family. And, and you, got, you, you, gotta, you gotta walk around the house like this, you know? You get, that's just how you, how you go. Because in what Jesus tells us, it makes no sense. He tells us this. Let's get started here. Matthew 5, 38 and 39. He says, you've heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, that makes sense to me. That, that's good. And in this culture back then, that was called the law of retaliation or revenge. And, and so what it was, it was an attempt to keep justice fair but to limit the revenge. So any, any person who has been wrong, they could seek, and it was legal for them to seek revenge against the person who committed that crime. However, they could not go overboard. So if anybody kind of accidentally jacked you in the eye and you got a swollen eye, well, you couldn't go back and just like, you know, go slayer on him. You, 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 that, you know, you just like, okay, he jacked you in the eye and you can jack him in the eye. Everybody understand what jack you in the eye means? I just wanted to, okay. It had to be even. 
But Jesus says in his kingdom, it's different. It's different. Let me continue on here. He says, but I say, do not resist an evil person. When, when he says that, that, that passage right there, do not resist means to not retaliate, do not, do not seek revenge, do not try to get even. You see, this principle put Jesus at odds with the current system. The current system of the law, the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that's, that's how they live. And But Jesus said, no, 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 my kingdom, that's your kingdom that you're used to. My kingdom is different. Everybody say, it's different. It's different. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to following Jesus, it's different. And so instead of this call for the, it's this call for the individual Christian to not engage in vengeance. That's the problem. It's not so much a physical issue. The issue is a heart issue because when somebody offends us, somebody hurts us physically, it's more than the physical pain. I did a study on this and, uh, when I was in college. I did a study on abuse. And one of the worst forms of abuse that you could do to somebody is emotional abuse. That's the one that hurts the most and the longest. And so it's an issue of the heart. When somebody hurts us, it hurts the heart, and we get this heart that just becomes vengeful. And when it becomes vengeful, all of a sudden it puts a block, it becomes a wall between us and God. So in fact, Jesus says, let me give you some examples. He's good at that. Let me give you some examples here, different ways that we have been offended. And by the way, if you are a Jesus follower, if you've not noticed this already, you can write this down in your notes. If you are a Jesus follower, you will be offended. Some of you are just having that aha moment. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 because it's so contradictory to the rest of the world. But Jesus gives you four different examples here. Here are four different examples and four different responses. He says, first of all, there's this, that issue of personal dignity. In verse 39, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. How many of you are bothered right now? Because if you've ever been smacked in the mouth before, I mean, it, number one, it's humiliating when somebody does that. And number two, back in those days, if you were smacked somebody in the cheek and you used the, right, uh, you used the left hand, that's usually the hand that they had just used in the restroom. Can I just say that? They had just used. And so that was really humiliating back in, in those days. And so, you, you know, if you ever, again, if you ever been smacked in the chops before, you just, you, you, you just, yeah, you, it stuns you and, you and you want to respond. However, Jesus calls for us to go against our natural instinct. And he says, turn the other cheek. And what that does is it makes us more vulnerable instead of returning the blow. And listen to me, this is not about being passive, but it's seizing the opportunity to demonstrate Christ. Because we know the story, we know the passion story of Jesus who went to the cross. We know that he was smacked. His hair was pulled, his beard was put, a crown of thorns was placed on his head. And Jesus still responded in love. Number two, personal possessions Again, these are things that are close to us. Verse 40 says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat 
as well. If you've ever been in a lawsuit before, oh my word, if you can avoid it, stay away from it. You can, and I, I won't even get into uh, my personal testimony on it. I'm just, I still feel embarrassed of a lawsuit that came my way. I, I, some of you are like, what, 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 what happened? I, I'll just say this. I had a brother who sued the rest of the family after my parents passed away. Enough said. Ah, oh, man. It's just not fun. It just goes nowhere. But, but in, this, in this example here, Jesus is talking about an, a legal action back then. Well, back in those days, a person they really only had a, 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 an undershirt, a shirt, that, a shirt that they wore, and they had a cloak, they had a coat that they wore. And Jesus is kind of like hyperbole, or he exaggerates the situation, and he says, you know what, if they, they ask for your shirt, give them the coat as well. And he, he goes, just, man, what, in, in, in other words, whatever you can do to diffuse the situation. Let, let's talk about the next one. This, this deals with our personal pride. Verse 41, it says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now remember, the Romans were political enemies. Just, just curious, are there people in your life who you would put under the category of political enemy? Maybe that person who works in your office, maybe there's that obnoxious neighbor with all those bumper stickers on their car. Again, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know what political affiliation are, but we are living in a society where people are like, you have to know who your enemies are by their politics. And it's becoming more and more divided. It's very, very sad, it's very disgusting. It's exactly where Satan wants us to go. But here we have this situation where Roman soldiers were, they were allowed to just pick any person out of the crowd, a Jew out of the crowd and say, carry my pack. But they were only allowed to do it one mile. The only problem is once that person has carried a pack one mile, they put it down. Then the next Roman soldier said, well, you carried his pack, now you carry it. And it could be a five, 10 mile journey and how humiliating, especially somebody who you are so politically against, you politically despise. And Jesus says, carry it two miles. And then, and then the last one deals with personal generosity. He says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Again, the principle here, the principle in all of these things, our response is to go above and beyond, I think I've shared this before, but my father-in-law, probably one of the most generous men that I know, he's just got, he owns a construction company and he's got tools galore and people will come up to him and say, hey, Byron, is there any chance that I could borrow this saw and da, 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 And he just like, I was talking to Michelle about it yesterday, he would just assume like, hey man, I would just love to go and I could cut that for you. Or he'd, he would say, you know what? You just take that saw. He, he just didn't like to borrow it. You just take it. That's generosity. That's generosity. He, he doesn't want a tool to get in the way of a relationship. So you just take it. Listen to me. This is not a, this is not, a, the scripture is not called for us as Christians to be doormats. Will you please everybody, everybody make sure you understand. It's not, if somebody is hurting my family, I am going to respond 
I'm going to respond. But the response needs to be in defense and not go into offensive mode above and beyond. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? We are called to respond differently, and we are to guard our hearts in our response. And I want you to know these statements that Jesus gave, these were offensive to the Jews because it went against everything that they taught, everything that they believed, and it just went against who they are. Let me ask you, do these passages bother you like they sometimes bother me? Because living the Jesus life is different. It's different. Verse 43 through 44, it says, you have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Let me ask you this morning, who is your enemy? Who is your enemy? Who is it in your life that has humiliated you, has hurt you, has wounded you? Who is that person? Let me ask this question this way. Who is it, that person who pops up in your mind when your thoughts become, you just entertain your mind with ways that you could get back at them? Have you ever noticed sometimes when somebody has wounded you or hurt you, how creative your mind becomes with how you can respond to that situation? Who is that person? They just might be your enemy. But Jesus said, I say it's different. Everybody say it's different. It's different. If you're a Jesus follower, it's different. I say love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. How many would say, that's different? <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah, that, that's different. And here's what I've noticed in life, how I respond to my enemies. It shows more about my faith and what I believe than just about anything else. Not my response to you, because I like, I like all of you in this room. My response to you, well, like, that's, that's easy. But what is my response to my enemies, because that tells me where my faith is. And Jesus talks about this thing called love. So it's very interesting, if you, if you study, especially the New Testament, the Greek, the Greek has three forms of love, three words that they use for love. They use eros, eros, which means a romantic kind of love, phileos, which means like a brother or a sister kind of love. Some of you have heard this before. But the love that is used here in this passage is the word agape. We've talked about this before as a church, but we, it's interesting how Jesus keeps bringing us back through scriptures to this agape kind of love. How many of you have heard me talk about agape kind of love? I know I've talked about it a couple times. And they've all been through different passages. And Jesus tells us this is the kind of love that God gives to us. It's an unconditional kind of love. It is not a love that is based on feelings. It is a, is a, a love that is, chooses to do this. It's God's kind of love. It is the love that was demonstrated to us on the cross. When Jesus said, I love you. No, wait a second. Let me demonstrate it for you. And he put himself on a cross and he died for your sins. He took your place. That is agape kind of love. Agape love is the divine selfless love which will go to any length, listen to me, any length to attain the well-being of its subject. It's a mother's love for her child. It's the kind of love that causes a soldier to jump on 
a grenade so that his brothers or sisters would not be harmed. It causes an adult to risk or her life to save a drowning child. It's the kind of love that turns the cheek, that gives more that is required, that goes the second mile and gives generously to those who are asked. And Jesus says, with you, it's different. It's that we not only love them, but we pray for our enemies. It says here in verse 45, and that way, when we do this, we will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So he says how we respond with agape love when offended, we are demonstrating to the world what God's love looks like. Did you know that? When you respond in agape love, when somebody's wounded, offended you, what you're doing is you're demonstrating the presence of God in your life. What an opportunity we have. Somebody said, it's a kind and generous father who has two sons. One son grew up to be kind and generous, following the example of the father. And that son is a true son of his father, correct? But then the second son, he chose, he chose and he refused to adopt his father's ways, but instead he became a mean-spirited man. And that son is not a true representative. He's a child of that father, but he's not a representative of the father. You know why? Maybe, maybe you parents have used this line. Maybe you kids, you've heard this line. He wasn't raised that way. Right? How many of you have heard that line? You weren't raised that way. We, we don't act like that because you weren't raised that way. You see, the, the, the father is naturally pleased with his true son. And he's disappointed with the rebellious son. Still loves the rebellious son, but still disappointed. And Jesus calls us to be true sons and daughters of our father by living out his agape love especially to those no good, good for nothings who do not deserve it. Did I say that right? For those who don't deserve it. You know why? Because we're called to live different. As a Jesus follower, it's different. Listen to his challenge here. He says in verse 46 and 47, he says, check that, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different? Everybody say different. How are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. This is where Jesus puts it on the line. He says, listen, I mean, people who don't even believe in God, they do that. They love each other. They love people who are, like, who are lovely to them. But you want to go the extra mile. You want to be a Jesus follower? A Jesus follower loves the offenders with agape love. Jesus says here in verse 40, I'm going to make sure I clarify this. But you are to be perfect. The Greek word is teleos. You are to be perfect even as your father is, is heaven is perfect. This is not perfect like we think, like, because that's not obtainable. We, we will never be perfect until 
we are with our Father someday. But to challenge to be perfect, what this means here is he's challenged us to be mature in your faith. To be mature in your faith. How many of you have never met a 45-year-old man who still acts like a 17-year-old child? How many of you have met that person before? How many of you are sitting next to that person right now? Okay. <laughs> All right, don't, don't, don't do that. But again, that word perfect, the Greek is teleos. What that means is something that is complete and that it's fulfilled its purpose. Another word that, that, we, we, that we get here is the word integrity, integrity. And, that, and what that means is, integrity to means is, is that you live what you say you believe in such a way that nobody is confused. I just made that up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you one more time. Integrity to me is to live what you say you believe and to live it in such a way that when people see it, it's not confusing to them. Let me talk to you this morning as, as we finish this out. Practical ways to live this out. Three ways, three ways. That's what I see from God's word. Three ways that we can respond differently. Everybody say differently. Three ways that we can live differently to offense. The first thing I would tell us to do Again, because all of us are gonna be offended. All of us have been offended. Some of you are living in offense. Can I just say this? Some of you are, some of you have been members of this church and you are still offended from the events that happened three and a half, four years ago. You're still offended. You're still living in offense. And I think what Jesus would tell you, the way that this church is gonna move forward, the way we are gonna move forward out of our pain is we gotta let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to let it go. You need to let it go. Even, amen. Even baby says, let it go. Let it go, church. Let it go. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, 31, he tells us that with Jesus, it's different. It's different than what we wanna do. He says, you know what? How it's different is because you need to, when you're in that place, for those who are still stuck in the offense, you need to get rid of that bitterness. You need to let go of that rage, that anger, that those harsh words that you have spoken or that you think about spoken, that the slander that you've given, and as well as all types of that evil behavior. You see, you see right here, all those things I'm guilty of. I'm guilty of, that's my natural. But Jesus, is, but Paul's telling us like, with Jesus, it's different. Everybody say it's different. I just, have you got the, the title of this message yet? It's different. He says, because when somebody hurts or offends me, that's all that I can think about doing is those things. But Paul says instead, you know, when, he's, when he says the word instead, he's saying to us, when he says instead, what he's saying to us it's different. Now, what, what, what your response needs to be is you need to be kind. You need to be tenderhearted. You need to, this is the big one, you need to forgive one another. And let me give you an example of that. Just as God through Christ forgave you. Do you know what that's called? That's called, and it's, it's for some of you, you've been in the church all your years, it comes from the, the, the title of one of your favorite songs, Amazing Grace. grace. That's what grace is. Grace is to give somebody something they don't deserve. 
And that's what Paul just told us to do, is to give those who don't deserve it, is to give them amazing grace. grace. Because guess, guess what Paul was also saying in that passage right there? What Paul was kind of in saying, you need to give that to him because, oh, by the way, you do not deserve God's grace. You don't deserve it. That, that's kind of the hint that Paul is dropping to us here because he's called us to be different. We are called to let go of the anger, the bitterness, the hurt, the pain, the revenge, our pride. We are to let it go. I like this. I heard this before, heard it on radio, <coughs> excuse me. The longest marriage that has ever been enjoyed by this couple, Have I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, 86 years, 290 days. Let's give them a hand. This couple, when asked, what is the secret to your success? They responded, marriage is not a game. We don't keep score. Isn't that really what revenge and vengeance heart, our vengeance heart does to us? We keep score instead of forgives. Let me continue here. Only God can help us love him, love like him. So we're gonna let go. We're gonna let God. The apostle Paul, who is in prison, he knows all about being offended. He knows all about injustice. And he tells us to live differently. He says, never pay back evil for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So here, here, here's three responses. He, he, he says here in verse 45, I want to continue here. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. What, how, how does that work? How does that help me to let God? Well, when you, when you are praying, you're like, I, God, I get this into your hand. Here's the benefits of, of letting God. First of all, it takes away the sting inside of you. When somebody has offended you or wounded you and you start to pray for them, something happens in your spirit and that poison that is in there, all of a sudden it begins to drain that poison when you get to begin to pray for them. And second of all, you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. Hurting people always hurt other people. You have no idea. And the, and the number three thing, reason why you need to pray for them is God is so much better at dealing with this problem than you are. He's so much and some of you right now, you think that you've let it go, but you've, you've got to let God do this. You've got to let God do that miracle work inside of you. And last of all, we're going we're gonna to let go. We're going to let go. We're going to let God. We're going to let go and we're going to forgive. We're going to let God. We're going to trust God with the problem. And number three, we're going to let growth. Another troubling passage in the Bible again James 1, 2, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So let's just give a praise right now for our problems. Let's just, oh God, thank you for our problems. <laughs> I, I don't know if you noticed the sarcasm in that, but that is hard for me to do. Thank you, Lord, for my problems. Thank you, Lord, for my problems. But James just tells us here, though, it's an opportunity for growth. Here's the bottom line when it comes to this passage. Bottom line is in this world, we will have pain. 
Some of you, if you you don't have pain today, just wait till tomorrow. You're going to have pain. And your pain can be the greatest downfall in your life if you let it. It can can cause you to go spiral. Or your pain can become the greatest source of growth in your life. How many of you have ever met somebody like that? They testify their pain changed their life for the good. Bottom line is you decide what that looks like. God wants us to grow, but we need to put ourselves in position for growth when we're in the midst of pain. And I tell people, number one, get daily connected with God each and every day. Get into a worship service every week. And the third thing I would tell you if you wanna spiritually grow is get into a life group. Get into a life group. We're coming up on our our season here where we're gonna start life groups in this church. Why why am I so adamant about that? I just got those three ideas. You know where I got that from? From the first church ever created. That's exactly what these early Christians did to grow in their faith. They got into the word and they got into prayer every day. They got into services. They joined together and they had church services. They had a big body together. And then they would go and they would meet in each other's home and they would do life together. For some of you, you're getting into the word every day, getting into prayer. That's great. Some of you, man, I'm in church every Sunday. But I'm telling you, you're missing out on this one key element. Look at what Jesus did with his disciples Here's what I define a life group as. A life group is an ongoing small group of people pursuing spiritual growth through connection with God and each other in a life-giving community. For those who have not connected in a life group, just just imagine, I I, I couldn't find it this morning, but imagine I'm sitting on a three-legged stool, okay? Three-legged stool. Here's three elements of growth that you need that are gonna happen in a life group. Three things that are gonna happen. Number one, there's gonna be spiritual growth. You're gonna get together and you're gonna worship and you're gonna study God's word and you're gonna pray, you're gonna pray. And, 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 and if we cut it off there, what you have is a Bible study. Life group is not a Bible study. Some of you, that just bothered you right now. It's more than a Bible. Say, there's so much more. Everybody say, there's so much more. There's so much more. Because then we go into, go to that next one. Go to that next one. Bring me back to my circle. Then we move into relationships. You know why relationships are so important? When you look through the word of God, what does it talk about all the time? Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. So when you study God's word and you pray, now you have the opportunity for application. Everybody say application. Application. Some of my, the greatest friends in my life I have met in this community of small life groups. People who have helped me grow. And some of you are like, pastor, listen, pastor, I've been a mature Christian all my life. Man, I know the word inside out. I'm not sure that I, I need anybody's advice to help me grow as a Christian. I get that. I totally get that. That's fair. You are a mature Christian. But I would tell you, mature Christian, maybe you don't need it, anybody else's help, but maybe somebody needs your help. 
Because isn't that what it's called to be, a life-giving follower of Jesus? And maybe somebody needs to learn to grow in the relationship with Jesus through your example. But not only that, not only are, when, you, when a life group is designed to grow spiritually, designed to grow in relationships, but you now have the opportunity to grow in ministry. Because what is happening, I am getting phone calls this past week, and I love it, I'm getting text messages. Pastor, I don't know if you knew about so-and-so, but I, I called them, I went to visit them. They're having a difficult time. They're, 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 I'm getting a bunch of phone calls, and all of a sudden, you know what that is? That's called ministry. Give me, give me, bring me back to my circle. Don't take it away. Get, 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 get back, get back. It's called ministry. Now, all of a sudden, we've studied God's word, we've prayed, we are, are inserting it in relationships with each other. Now we're beginning to minister to each other, but now we're able to ministry to our world. Remember how all of you raise your hand and say, I wanna be that next person who is reaching the next generation, the disengaged of the next generation. That's why we need to learn to do ministry together. Picture of life groups. I went a little long here. I wanna move into a time of communion. As I close out this message, if you've not received a communion cup, would you raise your hand as you came in the doors? You don't need to be embarrassed. We'll just dim the lights a little bit. And if you received a communion cup and you need one this morning, please just raise your hand. Our ushers are gonna get you one. Keep those hands raised until you get one. Wow, we talked about a heavy subject this morning. I feel like I'm sweating up here a little bit. Because I was probably, I was preaching to myself more than any of you. They probably should have had a, like a mirror up here and say, did you hear what you just said? It's not easy. It's easy. It's easy to be offended. It's easy to be hurt. But man, Paul's words, they get to me. Boy, they get to me just as, just as God forgave you through Jesus. Through the grace of God, I'm saved. And I, I can't, I'm not good at living out this no response, living, responding Jesus style. I'm not good at that. I need Jesus to help me. How many of you are here to you say that? I need God to help me with this one, Pastor. This one. All around this room, Lord. Keep those hands raised all around this room. Those who are watching online saying, I need help with this one. I need to live differently. I need a different spirit in me. I need God to help me all around this room, Lord. Let forgiveness take place. Help us right now with raised hands. Help us to let it go. Help us with raised hands. Say, help us to let God do his thing. Help us, Lord, 